0: Think about prayer Think about asking God to do things for us If you just went up to some random people on the street and What does it mean to pray You Most people would say something like "Well, you talk to God in order to get them to do something for you And that's not wrong Jesus repeatedly told us to go to our Father And ask for what we need Because he's a good Father He longs to give good gifts to his kids The problem is when we exclusively think That's all prayer is that all prayer is, is getting God to give us what we want and nothing else. So the last two weeks, we've talked about how really prayer is about our relationship with God. That it's about spending time with God, being with God. But today, we're switching gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about when we ask God for things. Two weeks ago, we kicked off a new series about prayer, and I shared with you over the last few weeks about how cynical I've kind of become about prayer over the last few years. Somewhere between my 20s and today at 40, life got hard. It was easy to pray and believe in prayer when life was all going smoothly, and it seemed like most things were pretty good. But it felt like, over the years, that prayer didn't seem to keep up. I kept praying about things, and nothing was happening, and unconsciously, at least at first, I began to think, am I even talking to God? Is he even there? And if I'm talking to him, and it's not making any change in my life, why am I doing it? Maybe you've thought something like that. Maybe you're thinking something like that right now today, listening online, or sitting here. Maybe you're scared to admit that. It's okay. It's a safe place. I'm admitting that. I feel that same way sometimes about prayer. And I really started this series because I want to recapture my love of prayer. I want to get back to a point where prayer is not just a burden, or it's not just something I have to do, but it's something I long to do. And so that's why we're in this series. And today... We've, we've been talking about all these different ways to pray, things to focus on in prayer, but today we're talking about asking God for what we need. What should you say when you pray? What shouldn't you say? Is there a way to more consistently get what you want? If you go to the prayer section in a bookstore, it's almost exclusively, here's how you need to do it in order to get what you want. Like, here's the wrong way that you won't get what you want. Here's the way that you can kind of always get what you want. There's a lot to say on this subject, so we're going to jump right into it. Um, back in Tennessee, when I was a pastor in Tennessee, I had a young man ask me a very good question. I was talking about prayer, and the church we were at taught that God was in control of everything that happened, and so he asked a really good question. He said, what's the point of prayer if God is just going to do whatever he wants already? Why pray for a person with cancer to live if God's already decided they're going to die? Maybe you thought something like that. Like, what's the point of prayer if God's just going to do whatever he wants? Like, why does it matter? This kind of thinking comes from the Calvinistic side of Protestant Christianity, the idea that God has control over everything, so what's the point of anything I do because God's already made me do it, or God's already made me say it, or God's already made that happen. If God already is going to do what he does, why pray? Well, I think we should pray because this isn't the picture we have of God in the Bible. We don't have a God who's controlling everything and he's like, I don't care what you say or what you ask for, I'm going to do what I want. God wants to discuss The direction of the world's future with human partners. Let me say that again. God wants to have a discussion with you about your future and the future of the world. We have a God who can change his mind. And for some of you, that's going to be theologically scary. I might even get some emails about it. But it's just true. We have a God who can change his mind. And I think that's a beautiful thing. God has incredible respect for human agency and free will, so when we come to him in prayer, He can actually change the direction he's going in. Don't believe me? Consider Abraham. God was going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah for being cities of violence and injustice. Abraham convinces him to spare some people from those cities. God says, I'm going to wipe them all out. It's all violence and destruction. And Abraham's like, no, 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 let's have a discussion about this. And Abraham actually keeps coming back and changing the rules of the agreement, and God goes along with it. Moses, when God was going to wipe out Israel for being uh, idolatrous, convinces God to show mercy and to not wipe them out. God intended to destroy Nineveh, one of the most violent, oppressive cities of the ancient world. But first he sends the prophet Jonah. And they end up repenting, and God says, now I'm not going to destroy you. I was going to destroy you, now I'm not. And Jonah, who hated Nineveh and really wanted them to be destroyed, he started lamenting. He's like, you're a God who always changes your mind. You always change your mind towards mercy as soon as people show a little change of heart. So your prayers matter because just because God's heading in a direction doesn't mean he'll keep going in that direction. He wants to have a conversation with us, with humans, with His human partners on the ground. God created mankind to rule and reign on earth in his image. He gave us authority over this planet. He respects our free will, our minds, and our passions. He does not simply override us. God asks permission before interfering into some affairs in our world. He wants to get our opinion, and he wants to know what we think should be done. That's, that's incredibly weighty. God wants to know what you think should be So yes, prayer absolutely matters. Prayer absolutely can change things. Prayer can change the direction God is heading heading in. Prayer is essential to bringing about the kingdom of God on earth. I like how Augustine said this. Without him, we can't. But without us, he won't. Without him, we can't make the changes that need to happen in our world. But without us asking and being involved and partnering with him, one. Now, have you ever prayed and seen God answer maybe so quickly or so precisely that it kind of startled you? There's a few times in my life. I wouldn't say it's like a, a million times, but there's a few times I can look back to me and I prayed about something and it was like, oh man, God's real. That really happened. Somebody heard me. Something happened, you know? Maybe it, I think often I expect prayer not to do anything. And so when it does, it startles me. Nothing grows your faith, though, like answered prayer. Think back on those things. Remember those things. Remember those times that you prayed and God moved and showed up exactly like you asked. So, as many times as there are like that, where God has shown up, and he's shown off and he's answered our prayer, you're probably like me, and you have a lot of times when you pray, and so often it feels like your prayers are connected. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm guessing if you're like me, there's probably a lot of you who feel that way, listening online, sitting here, where you're praying, you're like, I've been praying about this thing for a long time, nothing's moved, or I've asked about this for a long time, and nothing happened. So why is that? Let's look at James 4, verses 1-4. through 4. Here's what James, the uh, half brother of Jesus, says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you have not asked God. When you do ask, you don't receive, because you ask with the wrong motives. You ask so that you can spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy James is the half-brother of Jesus, and initially, he rejected Jesus' claims to be the Messiah, the Son of God. That is, until after the resurrection. There's nothing like your half-brother coming back to life and being like, oh yeah, maybe he is God. Like, I watched the Romans crucify him, and now he's back alive? I should probably believe him when he says he's God. James went on then to lead the first, and for a long time, the largest Christian church in the early church in Jerusalem. Now, James here sounds a little bit like a Buddhist. Buddhists believe that all desire is the root of evil and suffering. If we simply wanted nothing, the world would be a utopia. If you were like, well, there's pain and suffering, but I don't care, I'm just above it all, then everything would be fine. That's what Buddhists said. But that's not what James is saying. Notice the difference. James isn't saying that all desire is bad. He is saying that we have the wrong desire. Sin, after all, if you want a definition of what sin is, it's disordered desires. Good things that we want in the wrong way, the wrong place for the wrong time. It's not that we need to eliminate all our desires in order to pray effectively. James isn't saying that, and honestly, you can't do that. You can't sit down and pray and be like, I want nothing, I'm going to be completely immune from wanting anything. We have needs. There's things that are broken in our world and in our lives and in our James is saying it's not that you have no desires, it's that we need to take time to examine our desires. He makes this contrast here between um, friendship with the world and friendship with God. There is sometimes where we ask for things that are not good for us and are not good for our world. They are destructive and dark, but we think we need them, we think that we want them. Sometimes we really have to check our motives. Sometimes we're praying for something good, but our motivation is very selfish or bad. C.S. Lewis says this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. But like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. What Lewis is saying is many times... We are asking for things that amount to playing in the mud when God wants bigger and better things for us. So why don't we get what we want when we pray? Well, first James says, we don't have, why? What did he say first? Because we don't ask. That's good instead. He said, you don't have because you don't ask. We simply do not ask. Think about how much more good God might want to bestow into your life into your world, but we simply don't ask for it. So often my focus on prayer is on making my immediate life more comfortable, easy, and safe. How many blessings have failed to fall from heaven because I do not ask them to rain down on you, or I do not ask them to rain down on my coworkers or my neighborhood? We don't have, James says, because we don't pray. Often we don't pray because we're too busy. We're preoccupied too busy to make time for it and you know what i'm just gonna tell you there's no good time to pray Um, you must make time for it we live in a really restless moment in history we live in a culture of restless people and it's hard to pray when you are restless ronald rollheiser says this the modern day simply takes us it consumes us it drains us and leaves us in its wake, sitting on our couches before a screen, tired, dissipated, needing still to prepare some things for tomorrow, but having no energy and wanting a mindless distraction rather than wanting the discipline of prayer. Anybody that resonated deeply with you resonated deeply with me? How many feel at the end of the day that the day has taken you and consumed you and drained you and left you sitting on the couch, tired, dissipated, and needing distraction? We have not, though, James says, because we pray not. And our modern lives are designed to keep us distracted, defeated, and drained so that we do not pray. We will have to take radical efforts to develop rituals and rhythms of prayer that are stronger than the current of our culture. We have to swim upstream against our culture that wants to keep us distracted, defeated, and drained if we're going to pray. And then James says the second reason our prayers are not answered are because we often ask for the wrong things. He says, You ask for selfish things. You ask for things that are just to be spent on your pleasures. The first two weeks in the series, we looked at the Lord's Prayer. And there's a key line from the Lord's Prayer I want to highlight. In Matthew six ten. Jesus says, Here's how you should pray Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, my whole life, I was told that prayer is making God do what we want. You pray, and if you say the right thing or you live the right way, you can make God do what you want. If we can get the wording right or the combination of words right, we can have access to the biggest genie in the universe. But that's not the true purpose of prayer. Prayer is not us wrestling God into giving us what we want, but us conforming to what Jesus would want. Us developing the eyes to see what he wants done Prayer is encountering God and coming away wanting what he wants for our world and inviting God to use us to do it. Jesus prayed in the garden, Not my will, not what I want, but what you want. So often what I pray in my prayers is, God, not what you want, but what I want. And it should be the opposite. God in his sovereignty restrains his power until his people ask but he wants us to ask for the right things. He won't give us something destructive. Uh, there was a comic strip growing up that I loved, Childhood and Hobbs, but a little boy and his imaginary tiger, and he always at- made his Christmas list to Santa, and he always asked for a flamethrower every year, and this kid was crazy. Like, he- no kid should have a flamethrower, but especially not this kid. Uh, man, he-, if he really grew up, if he was a real kid, he could do a lot of therapy, he was a crazy kid, but it was made for a great comic strip. And um, anyways, So he would always ask for a flamethrower, and Santa wouldn't bring it. And uh, he would be like, what good is he? Because he's not giving me what I want, but he's not going to give you something destructive. Many times our prayers are the same as asking for a flamethrower. They would burn down our life. They would burn down our family. They would burn down our neighborhoods. Many times what we're asking for is destructive, and God doesn't give it to us because he loves us, not because he hates us. When we pray in Jesus' name, you know, most of you were probably taught like me, end your prayer in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praying in Jesus' name, though, doesn't mean ending our prayer with a canned phrase. It means praying like Jesus would. It means praying for what God wants, not what we want. The purpose of prayer is to think about what God wants and ask for it, and then act on it, believing that we're empowered by our prayers to do it. Prayer is about finding out what Jesus would ask for, and then on his behalf, God to do it. Now, each week in this series, we've had homework. Um, Hopefully, you've done that. Hopefully, it's helpful. And the reason we have homework in this prayer series is prayer is not a theological idea. It is a spiritual practice. And it's way too easy to listen to a message like this and be like, yep, prayer's good stuff. Leaving it. Love it. Yep. Keep going. Yep. That's so true. And then do nothing with it. And believe me, it's easy for me to study and prepare and preach a message like this. And then just through my week, go, yeah, prayer is really great. And not praying. So that's why we have homework. We want it to be something that you do and you act on So this week, your assignment is each day, at some point in the day, set a reminder for yourself. Ask yourself, what would Jesus pray for if he were me? If he was in my shoes in this moment, this place in time, what would Jesus pray for if he were me? Then go and pray. I'm telling you, at least for me, it transforms the way I pray, because what I pray for is usually selfish and small. And when I think about what Jesus would pray for in my situation, it is often much more others-focused, and much bigger and more beautiful. It'll change the way you pray. Just try this once a day. Okay, the third reason our prayers are not answered is that sometimes, for God's glory and greater purpose, we have to wait. In John chapter 9, the disciples find a man born blind, and they ask Jesus, they say, Hey, this guy's blind, so did he sin, or did his parents sin? Because somebody had to sin for him to be born blind. Notice their frame of reference. Bad things are from God, those are things God does to us. And Jesus refutes that. Here's what Jesus says in John 9, 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. There are some moments in your story when you pray and your prayers are not answered because the works of God are going to be displayed in you and through you in the situation you are in. I hate this reason. I hate this reason more than any of the other reasons. Because when you're in the midst of something and you're hurting and it hurts and it's painful and it's suffering, I, the last thing you want to be like, well, you know what? The works of God are going to be worked in you and through you in this situation. You don't want to hear that. But I will say, in hindsight, as I look back on some of the most painful moments of my life, I can say, out of those situations... Somehow, God displayed himself and his love and his goodness through me. I didn't always feel it to me in those situations, but many times people around me and after me have. Sometimes we don't get what we pray for because the works of God are going to be displayed in us, in our story. Our little story, through a moment of suffering or lack or unanswered prayer, is going to be woven into Jesus' big story. That's not an easy one to live. But I have lived it and I can't say it's true. The fourth reason. Sometimes our prayers need to be amplified with fasting, fasting from food. I won't spend a lot of time on this because in a few weeks we're gonna have a message where I just talk all about fasting and how it relates to prayer. But Jesus said to his disciples, to his students: there are some things in the spiritual realm that do not move unless you fast and pray. It's a combination. The fifth reason is that sometimes we are asking for something so small or so generic, it's impossible to tell if God really answered that request. Um, I was part of a small group down in Tennessee, and there was this one guy who would come in every week, and he would pray for the exact same thing. He would say, "Pray that we have a good week." Now, I think that's great. I love having good weeks. I like walking away from a week and say, "Man, that was a good week." But how do you tell if that's true? Like. How do you tell if God answered that? It's so generic. It's unspecific. You know, it's just this they kind of like, one person's going to say if they went through that week and that it was good, and another person might go through that same week and say it's bad. Like, it's very subjective. Praying specific prayers builds your faith because you know when God is answered. Mark Batterson in his book Circle Maker challenges people to pray big prayers because big prayers require a big he argues that we pray small prayers because our faith is small, and we don't think God is going to show up, and we don't really think that God will act on our behalf. Many times I, throughout the years, I prayed small prayers because I thought, man, God's probably not going to show up, and I don't want to be disappointed, and I don't want other people to think that I prayed about something and God didn't show up, so now they doubt not even exist. So I'm just going to pray something real small, real generic, and we'll never really know if the answers or not pray big prayers because he's a God who answers big prayers. He's a big God. The sixth reason is that sometimes God rushes to answer our prayer, but there is a cosmic war between his forces and the forces of darkness. We forget, it. earth is a cosmic battleground. We look out here and we're like peaceful. Look how beautiful. I mean, in the unseen realm, there is a cosmic battle going on. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel prays and God is silent. Daniel was fasting and praying, and God doesn't send any answer. And he keeps praying and praying, going without food, and praying and praying. Finally, an angel shows up. And this is what the angel says to him in Daniel 10, verses 12 and 13. Then the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and you humbled yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And you're like, what the heck is going on? Nobody really understands. The Bible isn't clear. But scholars think that there are dark spiritual forces rolling over geographic areas. And while they know they're defeated on the cross, they know they are defeated because Jesus rose from the dead, they currently still have power and they use it to... The efforts of God in our world. One day, King Jesus will return and all power and authority will be given him over every corner of this planet. Darkness will be banished forever. But right now, here today, when we pray, there is a prince of darkness in Philadelphia who works to make you think that God isn't listening, that works to make you think that God doesn't love you, that works to make you think that prayer is a waste of time. And he does this because prayer is the biggest threat. To his rule and reign over this area. In Star Wars The Last Jedi, uh, some of it was shot on this island, Skelly Michael, off the coast of Ireland. And the stone huts, some of the stone huts seen in that movie were part of an ancient Christian monastery. And as far as they knew at the time, that was the farthest west in the world. It's off the western coast of Ireland And they didn't know about America It was just all ocean out there And so they went as far out as they could And what they did was For 24 hours a day Monks and friars and priests Sat around and prayed To keep the forces of darkness And chaos to be pushed back And the message of the gospel of Jesus To flourish in Christian Europe They believed that their prayers held off the darkness. As modern educated Westerners, we kind of scoff at the idea of dark, cosmic powers, but the ancient Christians did, and they believed that their prayers could hold back the darkness, their prayers could open doors for the good news of Jesus Christ to expand and flow, and for light and um, technology and advancement to grow. Only humans who opened the door to darkness long ago had the authority to shut the door in darkness and welcome our right from King Jesus instead. The darkness doesn't want you to pray, and there are dark spiritual forces in Philadelphia who don't want you to pray. My seminary professor used to say this to me, the most important thing about your spirituality is how you respond when God doesn't give you what you want. The most telling aspect of your spiritual maturity is when your prayers go unanswered. One of the most important aspects of prayer is showing up. Even when it is dry, even when it feels pointless, even when it seems like none of our prayers are being answered. The great spiritual writers throughout Christian history all assure us of one thing, without exception, everyone will have seasons where their prayer lives are dry, boring, and seem pointless. But we show our dedication to God. We show our love to God, not in how we are feeling, but in the faithfulness of our commitments. If you are praying and it feels like you have no answer, if it feels like heaven is closed off to you, if it feels like you are shouting at an empty sky, keep showing up. Keep praying, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking, because our loving Father is still there. He heard Daniel on day one. We don't always know everything that's happening behind the scenes. We don't know how he's weaving our little story into his big story, how the glory of God is going to show up in us and through us because we kept praying when everything felt dry and dark and pointless. Your prayers aren't going somewhere. They're going to the ears of a loving Father. He hears you, and he is not deaf. He is not blind. He is not ignoring you. He is working. And for years and years, I prayed and prayed and prayed, and we have a little answer to prayer back there for 10 years I prayed about. And I was thinking about the fact that she was born in 2021 and how desperate I was in 2021 and how much I cried out to heaven and said, God, you don't hear me. You're not listening. This is taking so long. Where is our child? We prayed and prayed and where is she? Like we have, are you even there? i prayed so many years and I didn't know it, but my little miracle was being born somewhere. Two years later, God is working even when you can't see it. He's especially working when you can't feel it. Don't let the darkness win. Our prayers push back darkness, our prayers bring light. Our Heavenly Father hears us and loves us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this reminder that you hear us when we pray. And when we have an unanswered prayer, God, my immediate thing is, man, prayer doesn't work. Or God's not listening to me anymore. Or like, what's the point of this? And God, help me to be faithful to keep praying even through the dry season I find myself in when prayer feels hard and it feels boring and it feels pointless. God, help me to keep praying. Help me to keep believing that you are loving and good. God, I pray for the people here. And the people listening online, watching online, who have been praying about something so long that I pray that you give them hope. Give them a sign that you are hearing them. Send messengers like you sent to Daniel. Lord, fight off the darkness and send those messengers to say, hey, God is hearing you. God is working on it. He has not forgotten you. The story isn't over. He's still coming. He heard your message. He wants to intervene. You changed the direction he was heading in because... He desires you to be his human partner on the ground. He's heard you. He knows what you want. He's passionate about you. He's working. Will you just remind them and encourage them? Will you give them hope this week? Will you let people know that they are being heard? That their prayers aren't just going nowhere. And I pray all these things. Like I believe you would pray to Jesus. Amen.